All right. <laughs> and then, have y'all ate yet? Okay. And dessert. With mustard. No, I need mustard. I can't. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do something a little bit different tonight on, with the Bible school. So, actually, the rest of this week, we're going to be doing things a little bit different on the way that we look at baseball and church, which most people don't really put the two together, but we need to. If you guys remember in the New Testament, Paul wrote a lot, a lot of the New Testament. One of the things that he did when he wrote in the New Testament is he wrote it in a way that we would understand it. And one of the things that he understood more than anything was, number one, he knew Jewish tradition, but he knew athletics. He knew how to, um, how to tie it together where there was a sport, whether it's wrestling or running or throwing disc or throwing javelin or whatever it was that he did back then, he would relate it when he wrote so that the people reading it could relate as well. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus spoke in what's called parables. Does anybody remember what a parable is? Parable, 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 parable. What is it, B? A little story? It's a little story. Yeah, it's a little story, just a little bitty thing. So here's a few of them that Jesus used whenever he was teaching. Uh, he used the, the, a coin for the parable of the lost coin. He used a sheep for the parable of the lost sheep. He used a mountain when he talked about how you can move a mountain with the, the faith of a mustard seed. Uh, he talked about, the, or we read about the 12 baskets of leftovers when he fed 5,000. But one of Jesus' most common ways of teaching was through these parables. And what you need to understand about a parable is it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He did it so that we would understand it. So one of the, one of the greatest parables that Jesus taught was the parable of what we call the prodigal son. And this is a story, of, the earthly meaning of the story is that this son got his inheritance from his dad. Just say, instead of inheritance, you guys probably understand it as an allowance. If you get an allowance at home. So he took his allowance and he went to town and he blew all his money. He had nothing, but his dad let him come back home. All right, so that's forgiveness. The father forgave the son. The earthly meaning of that is when we mess up, we can go to the Father, which is God, and we can ask for forgiveness. And He is, the Bible says, faithful and just to forgive us. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a little bit of verse, and then I want to teach you a new parable. All right, so the verse is, this is Paul, over in 1 Corinthians nine twenty four. The Bible says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that, that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I may myself should be a castaway. Uh, we'll talk about all that here in just a second, really put that together, but I want to look at a new parable. Now, there are tons of parables in the Bible, tons of parables to help you understand the Bible. The parable I'm getting ready to teach you is not in the Bible. You will not find it in the Bible. This is a parable of the three fans, the three baseball fans. You're not going to find it in the Bible, but this will help you better understand 
the type of Christian that God wants us to be. So the very first fan, does anybody know what fan is short for? Anybody know? Anybody? You look like you know. You don't know? Fanatic. Fanatic. It means somebody that's really excited about something. So fan is short for fanatic. So if you're a fanatic, who in here plays sports? Everybody kind of, sort of. All right, who watches sports? Everybody kind of. What do you do? <laughs> Watch sports, play sports. I know you play sports, except for you boys play. It is a sport. You cannot tell me that fishing is not a sport. It is a sport. So fan number one is the spectator. This is the person that loves the sport, the game. They love, I'm going to say baseball because that's what we're doing today is baseball. They love baseball. And this spectator knows every player, knows all their stats. He knows when the home games are, where the away games are going to be. He loves this sport. He plans his week around watching this game, whether he gets to watch it on TV or he's watching it there. He loves the sound of a bat whenever the ball hits that thing and the crack of that bat. He loves it. Or whenever the ball hits the glove, that smack, he loves it. Get out there at the home game, and he, he's watching, and he's smelling the smells, the cut grass and the food and all the things that are in the air. He loves that. He lives for that. That's a fan. That's a fanatic. Eating it up. They want to do it, want to be a part of it all the time. Now, he doesn't care if he isn't playing the game or playing for the team. He just wants to be there. That's enough for him. He'd rather sit and cheer as he had to do anything else. Now, he loves being at the game. Spiritually speaking, there's a lot of people like fan number one. So what did I say about a parable when Jesus taught it? It was an earthly tale with a heavenly meaning. All right, so the earthly tale for fan number one is that they love the game. They support the game. They're there for the game. They're there to be on the bench, or in, in, in the stands, I'm sorry, watching the game and supporting him. We'll have Christians like that too in church. We have Christians, they, they love being at the church. They love coming to the church. They love the singing. They love the crazy preacher and the singing and, and the praising and the praying and the worship, and they love the food that comes along with it, good Baptist. But they love that part of it, but they don't really want to make a commitment to Jesus. So there's a commitment that the fan hasn't made. He is committed to that team, but not to the point where he'll go play ball for that team. With the church, we have to be committed to the team, and the team is not the church, not Chestnut Dale, but the team is God's team. It's the, the Christians. This fan would rather just sit and watch because being in church is enough. It's okay to be fan number one, but we can't stay that way or we'll make the same mistake that fan number one makes. Fan number one just assumes that if he is faithful to show up at every game, one day he'll be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So how many of you guys really do watch baseball, like to watch professional baseball? All right. So this is for kind of, this is for you two. So this is a, a, a really in-depth question, and I want you to listen to it. All right. How many baseball fans are in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Exactly. 
none whatsoever. Can you believe that? All these crazy people. If you watch sports, there's some crazy people that are fans that love uh, what is um, the Browns, Cleveland Browns. You know they got the Bulldogs, and then you got some of the guys for the Raiders. They wear these big uh, shoulder pads with spikes on them and helmets with spikes. I mean, they get really out there. But none of them have ever made it to the Hall of Fame, and none of them ever will because being a fan doesn't get you to the Hall of Fame. Being a fan doesn't get you into the Hall of Fame of heaven. So that's when I talk about heaven on the, when we're looking at the uh, spiritual side of the parable. When I say the Hall of Fame, I'm talking about heaven. Being a fan, just being at the church doesn't get you into heaven. There's things that you have to do. There's a thing that you have to do to get yourself into that Hall of Fame. It doesn't matter to him that, that he never joined a team or even played a single game. He believes that if he is faithful to show up to every game, he will be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He thinks that if he shows up to every single church service, that he will make it to heaven. But it doesn't work that way. No spectator has ever been inducted, and I promise you never will. We have to play in the game. Can't just be a fan. Can't just be the spectator. We have to be in the game. Got to be involved in the game. We have to serve Jesus. So when you play ball, when you play, I know you like football. Who do you play for? All right. So, did you when you played football, did you work for the coach? That's what you did, ain't it? The coach had the coach knew what needed to be done. He knew what drills you needed to run. He knew what plays that you needed to run. He knew your strengths. He knew your weaknesses. If you couldn't cut it as a punter, he might put you at a tailback. If you couldn't cut it as a long snapper, he might put you at something else. But the the coach knows your strengths and your weaknesses. But you play for the coach. You're playing to win for the coach. The coach is Jesus. We're playing to win through this life for Jesus. We're trying to get to, and we will as a Christian, to the Hall of Fame. We have, but we have to train ourselves. Now, the second fan, the bench warmer. How many of y'all have ever been a bench warmer? Anybody know what a bench warmer is? You felt that pain? Mm. So a bench warmer is somebody that just don't play. They're on the team. They made the team, but they barely made the team. <coughs> barely made the team. Just good enough to barely squeak by because the coach seen potential. Might not be strong enough this year, but if we can get them in there doing the workouts and doing the conditioning and all the stuff that they need, next year will be their year. Might be a Might not be a starter, but you might be a – third or fourth string coming in the bench warmer used to be a spectator but decided to join the team he wanted to be in the game he wanted to be a hall of fame hall of fame player so he just took it upon himself to join and jump into the big leagues he had to get up at the crack it on though so that's the thing about sports you got to work hard when that's the reason i quit playing baseball in high school is because i had to get up really early to get to baseball practice at like 5 or 5.30 in the morning, but it wasn't fun. I played all those years. I played. It was fun. I enjoyed the game. I loved the game. I loved the people. I loved being in the crowd or with the team, but they sucked the fun out of it, and so I quit. thing about being 
a part of the team is there's hard work involved in it. So you've got to work on your fielding. What's fielding? Anybody know what fielding is? Yep. Throwing it. Throw that ball. You gotta get you gotta get the glove down. You gotta charge that ball. You gotta get it, scoop it up. You gotta make your run. You gotta do your little crow hops and all this stuff to get the ball down the field to try to get that out. That's what you're trying for. You gotta practice your batting. Batting practice takes forever. Some people have it, some don't. Some most pitchers can't bat. They don't have to bat. They don't want to. But then you gotta practice your throwing too. Not just your fielding, but you gotta practice the pitchers have to practice their throwing. We've got to learn strategy. We've got to watch your diet, and you've got to play every single day. There's a lot to it. He had an answer. He had, he had to answer to the coach, travel with the team. So there's a lot more to it than just sitting on the bench. When you get involved, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So fan number two decided he wouldn't practice much anymore, wouldn't stay in shape, wouldn't listen to the coach, didn't care to sit on the bench, and didn't care if he helped his teammates. What does that do to you? Does it make you lazy? Does it put a lot more work on the other players? Yeah, it's a team effort. Remember that. There's no I in team. It was much easier that way for him. He could still be on the team and not have to do near as much work. He was there in the action, and so to him, that was a perfect solution. So spiritually speaking, many Christians are like that. They want to be a lot for Jesus. So they come forward, they ask Jesus into their heart, they confess him, they get baptized, and then they try to turn their life around. But after they've joined the team, which means becoming a Christian, they saw how much work it is. As a Christian, it is a lot of hard work to grow. you got to do several things. One of the things you got to do is read your Bible. you got to pray. Pray daily. you got to leave the old habits that you might have had. you got to leave those uh, to, the, to the back burner and not ever pick those things back up again. Here's the hard one. you got to answer to the coach. And who was the coach? Jesus is the coach. You've got to answer to him. You've got to serve others. You've got to get out and do things for other people. You've got to witness to them. For many Christians, that's too much work. So for many, it's just easier and better just to ride the bench. That's all it is, just ride that bench out. Um, when I played ball, there was, in football terms, you got your running back and your tight end and all that stuff. And we use this term in football and in baseball. But there was a position, a very special position. Some of y'all may have heard of this, called a butt back. Y'all ever heard of butt back? Whenever you get up to go do something, the coach say, get your butt back on the bench. That's a butt back. Yeah, Abby. That's a bench warmer. It's somebody that the coach just doesn't trust yet. Doesn't trust yet because they haven't put in the, the, the time, the effort, the work, the work ethic isn't there. They haven't conditioned themselves. They are not ready to tackle it. That's the same inside our churches. Inside our churches, you can't just become a Christian and go out the next day and become a missionary. You've got to be trained. You've got to be conditioned. You've got to be taught. You've got to study. You've got to pray. You've got to listen for guidance. God's going to use you, but he needs you to stay here for a while to be trained so that you can get off that bench and you can start doing your training and, and, or get off the pew, I guess I should say. Start training and, and you know, step up to the plate and be ready to be that home run hitter for Jesus. Now we've got one more, number three, the home run hitter. This fan loves being on the team. He's willing to do whatever it takes. He wants to do whatever it takes to be a better player. He's the guy that when practice starts at 530, he's there at 430. We would call somebody like that an overachiever or a brown noser or something like that, but 
they really do have a passion or a desire for the game. They want to see they want to see the team win. They want to see big things happen. But they also want to be a Hall of Fame player. They want to play so hard that at some point in their life, when they're done, they will be in the Hall of Fame. He's determined to work however hard it is to get there. It doesn't matter what it costs or what it takes. Fan number three will do it if it means to become a home run hitter. You're going to work hard. And as he continues to live being faithful to the coach, the team, and the game, he knows that one day he will be a Hall of Famer. He's got that drive, that passion, that desire. Thankfully, there's a lot of Christians that have answered that call of God and are serving him faithfully the way that this fan right here is serving. They're growing every day by becoming more like Jesus. They want to be more like the coach. You know, coaches get those positions because they're good at what they do. Coaches, for the most part, are smart. They know how to run plays, for the most part. They know how to, to draw up plays, especially coaching baseball, or so, I've coached more softball than anything. Coaching softball is one thing. Coaching football is something that I don't know that I could ever do. I don't know that you can ever come up with enough plays. Like There's so many things out there that you could do, uh, both offense and defense, but you have to be smart to be a coach or be a manager. And you want to learn from the coach. And I can't think of a better coach in the world to learn from than Jesus. The man did it all in a short period of time. And so we can learn from him. And so these Christians that are growing and learning from the manager or from the coach, they're, they're growing every day and they're becoming more like their coach, Jesus. And this is the goal. It should be the goal for each Christian is to grow and be more like him. And that may cost you a lot of time. I promise you that. It costs a lot of time and energy and perseverance. And there's struggles involved in it as well, but it's worth it all. As the old preacher said one time, heaven's worth it all. It is. Paul says those who compete in the games do it to get a crown that will not last. <coughs> if you're in it for the crown that won't last, what good is it? So what happens to trophies? Y'all probably all got a trophy or something, haven't you? A little something, a little trophy, a little plaque, a little something maybe. I don't know. How many of them are tore up, dinged up, scuffed, broken? Tore, yeah, that's what earthly trophies do for you. They tear up, they break. They're not worth anything, really. They're sentimental. If we keep our eye on the prize and we do this for a crown that's everlasting, when we get to heaven and we receive our rewards, our crown, it will not tarnish. It's not going to turn green or dirty or black or brown or rub off on you. You can't chip the corners of it or shatter it or anything like that. The, the reward that we receive in heaven cannot be destroyed. And so that's the, the eye, that's the prize we've got to keep our eye on. Is heaven is our reward. Heaven is our hall of fame that we're aiming for right now as Christians. We've got to keep our eye on the prize of Jesus and do more. Make sure that you are trying your best to be fan number three, that you're working your tail off for Jesus and for the church to build up his kingdom. All right, let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you again for tonight. Thank you for the ones that are here, and I pray, God, that you would just touch them. God, use them, mold them, uh, touch their hearts. God, I pray that uh, you would just use these young adults in a way that be pleasing to you. God, and I pray that they would learn and glean this week from your word as it's being taught 
And may it be a help and an encouragement to each one of them. Be with them as they travel. Keep them safe and bring them back here at the next appointed time. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you're done. You can go grab your seat. Or, yeah. I think you, somebody want to ring the bell? I don't have a pocket.